0: Imagine that you and your three closest friends have been nominated for a game show. And this, you find out, the prize is astronomical. In fact, if you and your three closest friends win this game, you will actually never work a day in your life again. And so you're eager, they fly you out, Um, you and your friends, they fly you out to where the game is centered and you meet the host face to face and it's there you find out that this game show is more of a reality show and this reality show is more like The Hunger Games than Survivor. Your heart begins to pound and you think, I gotta get out of this, there's no way I can do this and you, you argue and you debate but you find out that this game is hosted by terrorists and there's no way out. You listen closely to the rules as they're explained, trying to pick up everything you can that gives you and your friends the best chance of survival. But the moment comes and you're helicoptered in above this jungle islands, and you have to parachute down and your friends go first and you're the last one from your team. And the pilot hands you a backpack with supplies. And then, you, then he looks at you and over the noise of the chopper, he yells at the top of his lungs that there's a map in the bag that's not supposed to be there. But it's in your bag and your bag only and it's because the architect of the island's knew that this was going to happen, and he wanted to give you the best chance of survival. And so he said, pay attention to the map, and you can tell by the look in this man's eyes that he is not messing around. You jump, parachute down, you land by your team, you gather up, you dump the backpack, you're digging through, you're seeing what supplies you have to try to survive in this game, and you find the map, you unfold it, and you start to look at it. But one of your friends doesn't believe what the guy on the chopper said. He said, this stupid. that's stupid. Let's probably just deploy the, the game. Let's not listen to the map. Let's not read the map. Let's ignore it. Let's go by our wit. Let's go by our instinct. Let's just do this thing. And that friend who objected looks around and kind of surveys what he can see. And he sees off in the distance a bow and an arrow. And he, th- he says, hey, if I get that, we're going to have a great chance of survival. And he just takes off in like this dead sprint towards that thing. And, and you're yelling like, remember, the host said the best supplies are booby trap. Don't do it. Boom. It happens. Your friend stepped on a landmine. Your heart is racing. Your palms are sweaty. You look at that map one more time. You see X marks the spot where you parachuted in. You see the spot labeled with the bow and arrow and you see the landmine symbol and you think, this map is true. It changes everything. You study that map, you memorize that map, you, you do everything you can to protect the sanctity of that map because the map is the difference between life and death. You take it at face value and you say, everything you wanna do, you filter it through the map. What if I told you we are contestants in a reality show? That really life on this planet is a giant test. And everything that we're doing is as we're going through this journey and that we have been given a map. A map by the very one who created this planet, who knows how this planet works. And he said, this is the road map to navigate your life through this planet. It's the truest guide. It's called the Bible. And the Bible has the words of truth and it lets us know where the booby traps are. It lets us know where the landmines are. And it lets us know where the best supplies are to, to go through this life. The Bible is a true roadmap that teaches us to avoid the pitfalls and head to the direction that we need to head. Yet there are people in this life that, like our friend in the example this morning, say, let's live by our wit. Let's live by our own understanding. Let's live by our wisdom, and let's just not trust that thing. A lot of people, like our friend in the example today, think that the Bible is old, that the Bible's outdated, and it's not trustworthy. But today we're going to take a look at the truth of what the Bible is. And the Bible actually warns us that some people would do this in regards to the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 16, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. The Bible tells us truth, and it teaches us how to live, and it's designed to point out those blind spots and those dark corners. It's designed to warn us about things we cannot see so that we can't avoid them. It gives us the necessary supplies for this journey called life. And each one of us has a choice about how seriously we're going to take the map. There's really three ways people look at the Bible. Way number one is they think of it as like a religious folklore. They think of it as maybe it has some moral value or some religious value. But it's usually in in this first group's mind a way people Religious people manipulate other people. And some people look at the Bible as like a collection of human writings and they give it no more weight or credibility than Grimm's fairy tales. To them, it's filled with inaccuracies and they tend to believe that the Bible's been tampered with and is not a reliable guide for life. There's a second group. And a second group is kind of somewhere in between. This second group thinks it's a good book with good ideas and some opinions, but it has flaws. To this group, the Bible's a good read, but you filter your decisions through your own understanding, your own insights into life. They have a casual view towards its authority and its its value. Now, they may have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they think that their own understanding or their own opinions will trump it when life decisions have to be made. And then the third group. The third group of people treat the Bible as the authoritative word of God by which all decisions, ideas, and values are measured. To this group, the Bible is recognized as divinely inspired and written and as a source of truth. The Bible is regarded as that roadmap through which we go through life. It's designed to help us identify that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the sacrifice for our sins. And the Bible to this group points to salvation through Christ and tells us how to live on this earth until we meet the almighty God face to face. Now, I certainly believe, as do all the pastors at Fellowship Church, this third stance on the Bible, that the Bible is the authentic, authoritative word of God. And if we're going to have enough confidence to make our decisions based upon it, we've got to actually like, look at the authenticity of it. We've got to look at the accuracy of its claims if we're going to say, we're going to live by this book. So we have, to, we have to scrutinize and we have to study it in an in-depth manner. I took the liberty of doing that all for you, and I'm going to share some of my findings with you this morning to help you understand how the Bible has been preserved throughout the generations and what reliability we can find in it. Now, many people know that the Bible is the number one best-selling book of all time. It is the most studied and the most scrutinized book in the history of the world. It stands up to all its critics. And even amongst religious books or holy books, the Bible is in a class of its own. It's really a collection of 66 books, and it was written by um, 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years. And these authors, from a human perspective, they lived on three separate continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe, and they had a variety of professions. Some were shepherds, fishermen, some were kings, some were military men, some were royal taste testers, some one was a medical doctor, a tent maker. They wrote from a variety of settings. Some wrote in palaces, and some wrote in prisons. And although these books cover numerous topics, the continuity is mind-blowing. There was no way, because the the authors lived over 1,500 years, that they could get together and have a conference and and design an outline and be like, okay, I'm going to cover this part and you cover this and and, kind of create a continuity um, through an outline. It never happens. It was impossible for it to happen, which lends us towards the idea that God himself designed the continuity of the scriptures and lets us know through its authenticity that he himself authored it through these people. There's no contradiction in its thousand pages. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So what this is saying is, No person writing the Bible, of any of those 40 authors that we talked about, decided what to write. But it says they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that spoke, inspired, and breathed and moved through them. And I've heard this objection, and I'm sure you've heard it as well. The objection is, well, maybe the Bible was accurate at one time, but it has now been thousands of years how do we know that it hasn't been tampered with or diluted or twisted in some way to make it unreliable? Like how do we know that, that the church or, or some person hasn't used it to like manipulate it to manipulate us in our generation? And this is a great question and a very serious accusation. And it can be very easily dispelled. It goes like this. We actually have copies, not like Fellowship Church, but the church universal. There are copies of the Holy Scripture that date back. For example, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, we have a handwritten copy in a museum from 150 B.C., and it matches, word for word, the Bible that we have today. From 150 B.C., We also have copies of, handwritten copies of the New Testament that contain almost all of the Pauline letters, which is the epistles of Paul. Colossians, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Philippians. The majority of the Pauline epistles, we have copies of them in the New Testament dated 100 A.D. Okay, Jesus died and rose approximately 35 A.D., so right around when these books were being written, we have copies that old preserved. And we can compare, if you want to study the Greek and the Hebrew, and you can compare word for word the oldest copy from 100 A.D. to today's. And you can see that what the Christians read in 100 A.D. is what we are reading today. No editing, no diluting, no tampering. There are actually 6,000 copies of the New Testament that date back to the first centuries that prove to us that no tampering has occurred. And they're preserved in these museums. Like if you doubt me, buy a plane ticket and fly to Europe and travel to the museums that secure these particular documents and read them. You will have to learn Greek and Hebrew meticulously so you can compare verse for verse, word for word throughout the scriptures. And my friends, it has been done by Christians and skeptics alike. And they agree that the documents that we have show perfect uniformity. The Bible has been preserved throughout the centuries, painstakingly preserved for believers of every generation. It has not been tampered with for human game. And it is historically accurate to a shocking level. For example, the prophet Daniel wrote the book of Daniel in the year 500 BC. And when he did that, he predicted something that would happen. Now, why would God do that? God was showing off. He was saying, hey, when Daniel writes, he's not just writing his own ideas. He's writing what I'm flowing and speaking through him. So here God shows off and says, hey, this hasn't happened yet, but you can verify it in the centuries to come for people like us who wonder, is this legit? So in 500 B.C., we find Daniel writes that, a, that there will be... Um, there will be an empire that dominates the entire world. That that empire will be suddenly cut off and divided into four empires, which will then be cut down to two empires, and then one empire will dominate again, and the Messiah will be born. Okay, we can look at history, and we can see if that happened. So Daniel predicted that in 500 B.C., and lo and behold, in 300 B.C., the empire of Alexander the Great dominates the known world. It's suddenly cut off when Alexander is killed at age 32, well before his prime. It's divided into four empires run by each of his four generals, which then give way to two empires, the Ptolemaic and the Seleucid Empire, which then gives way to one empire, the Roman Empire, and then the Messiah is born. So God called it out 200 years before this process happened and said, this is going to happen. And he wrote it down. He didn't just say it. He wrote it in black and white in writing that we can still read today to basically say, hey, guys, I'm authenticating these scriptures. This is not man-breathed, man-made, man-manipulated. This is legitimate stuff. And God showing off in, in through the writings of Daniel saying, hey, I said this. and I will prove it as history unfolds and that helps us have like legitimacy to the scriptures how do you know that the bible is true let me flip the question how do you know it's not true it's a lot easier to prove something's not true than it is to prove something is true you tell me your birth date and you make up a lie I could prove it right I pull your driver's license out of your wallet and your purse, boom, not true. You can prove something's not true so easy. For Daniel to make that type of prediction, all he had to say was it'd be, the empire would be divided into three. Wrong, false, falsify the scriptures. But no, when you try to test the Bible, when you scrutinize and evaluate the Bible, you find over and over and over again, it's impossible to falsify it. Jesus himself considered the Bible a sacred text worthy of banking his life on. In his lifetime, he quoted from three-fourths of the book of the Old Testament. And each time he quoted from the Old Testament, he would call it Scripture. And Scripture means inspired by God. Jesus authenticated the Scriptures by calling them Scriptures. And Jesus quoted the scriptures from three quarters of the Old Testament. He quoted them in his daily life. In fact, when he was being tempted in Matthew chapter 4 by the devil, and he was in this battle, what did he do? He quoted the Bible to overcome. He quoted the holy scriptures of the Old Testament. The devil came at him. He said, hey, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4, which is an Old Testament quote. And so Jesus lived by these words, believed these words. If he had gotten here and and he could have said, hey guys, it's gotten a little messy over the last couple hundred years. I'm gonna straighten out a few things. No, he authenticated it by the way he used the scripture in his daily life. Now these facts by themselves are kind of awesome and kind of overwhelming, but I wanna take it one step further. Let's test the accuracy of the writings and the statement that Jesus of Nazareth is the son of the living God. Okay, let's go there. The book of Isaiah, written in 700 B.C., makes predictions about the birth of Christ. It says that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Mary made that claim before Jesus was ever born. So if Jesus was a charlatan, basically going to fake his way through it, how could he convince his mother, while still in her womb, to claim virginity? Right? He wasn't even born yet. A contemporary prophet of Isaiah, Micah, wrote the book of Micah in the scriptures in 700 B.C. as well. And he made a prediction that the Christ, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. And he stated it in black and white. If Jesus was a charlatan, how could he orchestrate the city of his own birth? 700 years in advance. King David wrote about the crucifixion a 1,000 years before Jesus was crucified. And 500 years before anyone was ever crucified. The first documented crucifixion is in 497 B.C. And the prophet Isaiah describes the horrors of crucifixion in painstaking details. So then Jesus comes, right, and he gets crucified. Right down to the specific details about his crucifixion are predicted by David 1,000 years, Isaiah 700 years before. How does one orchestrate or prearrange to have themselves crucified between two criminals, one on his left and one on his right? All that had to happen is they switched the two guys around and Jesus isn't in the middle. Scripture not fulfilled. Scripture unauthenticated, Right? How do you prearrange for that? How do you orchestrate that? A thousand years predicted in writing before Jesus was ever born. How does one prearrange to have the criminal on his left and the criminal on his right's legs broken but not his own? How do you orchestrate to have the soldiers that are crucifying you gamble for your clothing right in front of the cross? But it was predicted in the Old Testament, and it occurred in the New. How does one prearrange the very day of their execution by crucifixion? Because the very day Jesus was nailed to the cross is called Lamb Selection Day in Jewish tradition, which means it is the day that the sinless, spotless Lamb of God is to be sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. How do you pick that day as a condemned criminal? You cannot. And all of these things point to overwhelmingly that there is no way that Jesus could fake himself being the Messiah by like reading the book and making a list of all the things the Messiah had to do and then checking them off. You can't check that off. You can't orchestrate that. You can't fake that. The scriptures are authenticated through history and fact. Dr. Bruce Metzer from the Princeton Theological Seminary makes this statement. After you take the 20,000 lines of the New Testament, it is safe for any scholar to say that 99.6% of the Bible has been corroborated by other historical documents. Obviously, the Bible was not the only book written thousands of years ago. We have an author named Josephus, who is a historian of Jewish tradition, who just writes tons of stuff about what was happening. His writings, not the Bible, over and over confirm what the Bible says. The Roman Empire kept meticulous records of money and roads and censuses. Over and over, history outside the Bible confirms the events that Scripture is talking about. You cannot falsify it. The mathematical odds of 66 books written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors to be as congruent as the Bible are is astronomical. So to prove that, Dr. Peter Stoner, he is a professor of science at Westmount College, decided to do a study. Just a mathematical study of what would be the probability of a charlatan stepping up and just trying to go through that checklist and, conf- and like fake his way through everybody believing he was the Messiah. So he did this study with 12 classes of students. it was over 600 students, and they were going to run out the mathematical odds of this. So they started with something simple: one prophecy, one prophecy being in the book of Micah,, the, or, yeah, the book of Micah, that Jesus would be born in the city of Bethlehem. What were the mathematical odds of that happening for a guy that wasn't the Messiah? So they took all the population of the world. They took the population of Jesus at the time, the population of Bethlehem at the time. They did some math. They came out with the statistical possibility of one in 300,000. That's what the mathematical odds. And then when they finished the study, they said, wait a second, this isn't even accurate because we forgot to factor in the fact that Jesus' parents didn't even live in Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, right? So what's the mathematical statistical probability in that day of a, of a man being born in a city that was not his city and somehow traveling from his city, right? How did that happen? Mary's nine months pregnant. What woman in their right mind is gonna travel nine, is gonna travel 60 miles to another city nine months pregnant by donkey? Right before she's gonna have, okay? It's not gonna happen. Ladies, statistical possibility, zero, right? But the Roman census confirms that this family traveled and that Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. What is the mathematical odds of that? So Dr. Stoner's class decided to run it out even further. They said, okay, in the scriptures, there's 54 clear Messianic prophecies, okay? Messianic means predicting the Messiah, right? And you'll hear different numbers. Some people will say 54, some people will say 300. But the best way to say it is there's 54 clear Messianic prophecies and 300 Messianic references that that imply or allude to the Messiah and something about him. But 54 are clear. By the way, Jesus did fulfill all 300 as well as the 54, like it's all good. But like 54 are super concrete, like be crucified between two criminals born in Bethlehem, okay? So Peter Stoner did this, ma- did this math with this class to figure out what is the statistical odds of someone fulfilling eight of these prophecies. Now let me tell you why they picked the number eight. Because they could verify through other historical documents that were not the Bible that eight of these occurred. They could actually verify 16, but they started with eight. So they said, Of these 54, eight we can confirm by extra biblical historical text. Let's see what the odds are that some random guy just made it through eight. So here's the math. And by the way, they had their science and their math verified through the American Scientific Affiliation. And they verified that the calculations were dependable and accurate in regard to good science. Okay? Here's the math we find the chance that any man may have lived to the present time and fulfilled eight of the prophecies to be one in ten to the 17th power. Eight. Okay, that's one with 18 zeros. Now, that's a number that's hard to get your brain around. So let's just talk about odds, okay? Let's say there's a raffle at work and, and they get a... A bunch of tickets and they throw 10 tickets in a bag and they mark one ticket and they mix it up and you draw blindfolded. What's your odds of pulling out the marked ticket? One in 10, right? One in 10. We get our brains around that. Okay. So what is the odds for one in 10 to the 17th power? What does that really look like? So to understand this, we take a silver dollar. This is what Dr. Peter Stoner's math class concluded and they did these calculations to come up with this analogy, this is not me. They took a silver dollar and they marked one silver dollar. Say we paint it red. And then they took one in 10 to the 17th power more silver dollars, that giant number, right? And they, they had to find a, an area and they laid them all out and it filled the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Okay, one silver dollar is marked. Then they blindfold you. You have a helicopter pilot, and he choppers you north, south, east, west, any direction of your choosing. For as long as you want in the borders of the state of Texas, you can fly. When you say he sets the chopper down, and he lands, and you get out blindfolded, and you dig around, you can take one from the surface, or you can dig all the way down to two feet and choose any silver dollar you want. The chance of you pulling out the silver dollar we marked is 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Not gonna happen. Right? What are the chances of a charlatan fulfilling 8 of 54 messianic prophecies? That same odd. Okay? But Jesus didn't just fulfill 8. So they can confirm that Jesus fulfilled 16 through other historical documents, leaving the Bible completely out of it. So what are the odds of one man from the beginning of the prophets through to modern day fulfilling 16 of these messianic prophecies? Dr. Peter Stoner says the chance that one man would fulfill 16 of these prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 45th power. That's the number, 1 followed by 46 zeros. Okay? So, what is that? How do you make that number real? Let's go back to our silver dollar. Now, this time, you can't just spread them out across the state of Texas. You would have to create a solid sphere of silver dollars. Silver dollars from the core all the way to the crust. And this sphere that we create would be 60 times the diameter of, I think I'm gonna say the earth, 60 times the diameter of the earth. Er, the distance from the earth to the sun. Sixty times the distance of the diameter from the earth to the sun, 5.5 billion miles across this sphere would be. Silver dollars from the surface to the core. One silver dollar is marked. Now you can fly around the globe in 24 hours, but to fly around this sphere, you would have had to have left the day the pilgrims landed on Plymouth, In 1620, and you would still not be done completing around the circumference of the sphere that we have built of silver dollars. At any point in this magical journey, you could ask the pilot to stop while being blindfolded and select any one silver dollar you want from this massive sphere of silver dollars from the surface to the core. And the chance of you pulling out the one marked silver dollar would be 1 in 10 to the 45th power. And that is the chance of one man fulfilling 16 messianic prophecies, and Jesus fulfilled 54. Guys, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. He is the Lord come down from heaven to forgive our sins and restore relationship with God. He is described in detail in the writings of the Old Testament so that we can identify and have faith in him. So that we could ask him for forgiveness of our sins because Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one... He is the one who has the authority to tell us how to live our lives, not our culture, not our community, and not even our own intellect. He is the one who has the authority by his word to tell us what is right and good and true, and we can and should bank our entire life decisions on what it says in this book. The Bible declares of itself in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The word, words in English inspired by God and one is one word in the Greek, and that Greek word is theonoustis, which means God breathed. And Maybe that's the translation you memorized this scripture in as a kid. All scripture is God breathed, God sent it, God breathed it out and gave it to us. It doesn't matter, my friends, how good something looks, how happy it will make you, how much fun it seems, how rich or successful you will become. It does not matter how deeply spiritual it appears or how sensible it seems or how popular or accepted it is. If something is contrary to the word and the wisdom of God, it will ultimately bring harm and suffering to your life. That is why we have to study it. That's why we have to know it. Why does it matter? Like, why does it matter if the Bible is true and accurate? It matters because there's moments. There's moments in your life and in my life that are dark. There's moments in your life and my life where where heartbreak wrecks us, where we are destroyed on the inside, where our emotions are in turmoil because of the decision of an adult child, because of the death of a dear loved one, because the finances are a mess, because there's moments in life that we cannot understand. And in those moments, we need to know That the words on this page, these pages are not just empty promises, but that we need to know and have confidence that these words are breathed to us by God, a God who cannot waver and does not lie. And so when we're in the dead of night in the worst moments of our life and we look and we say that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that we can cling to that. And we need to be able to turn the page. And when it says that I will provide for all of your needs according to my riches and glory, we need to be able to cling to that and believe that with all of our heart. And we need to be able to turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, and see that when we need strength, that he will renew our strength like wings of eagles, that he will lift us up. And we need to know that in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And if all this is is a book of opinions by humans, then that those promises do us nothing. But as I've read and studied, and I've read the Bible from cover to cover more than 17 times in my lifetime, with confidence, having read much smarter people than me, this is the authentic word of God, and we can cling to it, and we can appeal to the mercy of the one who wrote it, and we can live by it until we see him face to face, and we will never be misled. And maybe you're here this morning, you're not sure about that. I beg you, scrutinize the scriptures. Study them. Fly to England and review the old documents and see that it's authentic. Do whatever you have to do to authenticate this book in your own mind so you can live by it. Or maybe you do believe that it is the Word of God, but you've lost sight of it. Friends, this is our bread of life. It's what sustains us. In your dark moments, read it and cling to it and believe it. It's all we have. And it leads us to the very one that gave us life in this place and the next. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, it is our lifeline to you. It is the truth that we need to live in this life. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would help those of us who have authentic doubts about your word to study and learn and scrutinize and move past those doubts. And Lord, for those of us who've just gotten like complacent or a little lazy towards your word, God, renew in us a passion and a fervor for your word that we would literally live by it, that we would be inspired and encouraged by it, we'd be corrected and redirected by it, we'd be convicted by it, God, and we would order our life around its principles. God, we know that you gave it to us and you painstakingly preserved it for thousands of years so that we could have confidence in it. and We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, guys, we love you, and we'll see you next Sunday.